This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. So today we're, we're going to talk about anxiety, fear, worry, and and this is one that uh, I don't have it all figured out. So what we're going to read and we're going to look at, I, I think I still have many questions for. So if you're hoping to, to find a church and a preacher, a pastor that has the answers um, to all the questions, this is not it. And so I'll let you know now. Um, we're just, we're, we're, we don't have it all together. Um, my, my knees are plenty skinned up and it's not because I like spend a lot of hours in prayer on my knees. It's because I just fall down a lot and I got to get back up and keep walking. Um, and so you're, you're not going to find just perfect people here. Um, and I know people say that all the time, but, but it's, it's just true for us. We're just not. Um, and, and so I hope that's okay that I'm a work in progress here, that uh, I've got questions that I'm still like, God, I don't know what to do with this. I literally don't know how to apply this in some scenarios. Um, and I hope that's okay, that we can just study God's word together and, and be okay with still figuring it out together. Uh, and so Luke 12 is where we're going to spend the bulk of our time. Uh, but Luke 10 41 uh, has the, the verse that I think if I were to give like a theme verse for our culture, like just kind of be like, man, how do you describe your culture? Luke 10 41 would be my, my overarching theme verse. And Jesus says in Luke 10 41, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. And I think that that describes our culture to a T. Corey, Corey, you are anxious and troubled about many things, my man. Right? Austin life, Austin life. You are anxious and troubled about many things. Like that, 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 is, that is our culture. I mean, you, doctors are prescribing, you know, depression medication, anti-anxiety medication, sleeping pills, man, just in, in, in masses. And, and I'm not knocking it. I, I currently take anti-anxiety medication, right? So it's just like, it, it, is, it is in mass. And our culture is so wound tight and so stressed and so on edge and so worried and so anxious about many things, right? If we were being honest and we were filling out that sheet, like we, we could fill out that sheet. Like we could just load it up. And honestly, we could do it again tomorrow and it'd probably be different. And we'd have different anxieties or worries, right? Five years from now, it's gonna look different. And it, it, we're just anxious and troubled about many things. Some of the top stressors, I did a little Google search uh, this week. Some of the top stressors that we face, death of a loved one, top, huge stressor. Uh, another one that, that you may not think it, but um, just ask any of our newlyweds, getting married, Big stressor, right? Hey, you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Let's do this together. I mean, that's a recipe for stress, you know? Marital struggle, divorce, separation, unmet expectations, having kids. Mm-hmm, I see you there. Stressors, financial struggles. How are we gonna pay these bills? Moving, big stressor. Starting losing a job, transition to adulthood, friendships, loneliness. These are just some of the top stressors, which my guess is many of us could be like, check, 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 you know? Like I could just look in this and I, I mean, I know many of y'all stories. I'm like, okay, I know this is checking boxes here. Like these are some stressors. Let's, let's not act like we're not dealing with this. We're not stressed by it, and we're not weighed down by it. 
I mean, I, I know for me, man, I used to not worry about anything. I think I was the most carefree person in the world. Like, it bothered people how, how carefree. I was like, oh, you know, whatever. It'll work out, you know? And now it's like, man, I am on edge. It just takes a little nudge, and I'm, I mean, I'm just spiraling down. You know, circumstances change. Life changes. People change. I mean, it's just like, I, I just feel, I've told Stephanie numerous times, I just feel literally like I can see stress and fear and anxiety just circling me almost like just like a bully and it doesn't even have to actively be there if i just know it's nearby like i get i get tense and anybody else feel that way it's just it is there just waiting to be like okay now and then the whole day the week and then it takes time to come back up you know and, and so but but my guess is that a hundred percent of us if on the way out, we're guaranteed a, hey, here's like this pill. If you just take this pill one time, stress and worry, gone forever. All right, I'm guessing we're, we're going, I'm FDA or not, give it to me. Right, like, okay, well, I, will, I will be the test on this pill. Right, like, okay, you know, like, I, we would all sign up for that life of, of no, no worry, no anxiety, just peace for the rest of our life. Are you, are you with me? Are we, we on the same page here? And yet, Luke 10, 41. We are anxious and troubled about many things. School has started this week or is starting. There's many of us moving in or starting jobs. There's, there's babies popping everywhere, you know? We got babies, we got families, we got marriages. Like, we got bills to pay. Like, Austin is not a cheap city. Like, we're just, I mean, we talk about this all day long. There's worry on top of worry on top of worry on top of worry. And yet, the Bible tells me, Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ set me free. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything. Like, not, not, not like don't be anxious about the little things. Don't be anxious about anything. Here in Luke 12, Jesus is gonna tell us, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. John 10, 10, it says that Jesus came to bring us life and to bring it abundantly, right? So, so I take what's real for me and what I think is probably real for many of us, and I'm anxious and worried about many things, and yet the Bible tells me, not only tells me, commands me to not be anxious about anything. It tells me that Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth, gave himself up so that I may live a free life, an abundant life. And so there's many times where I go, here's my life, and here's what the Bible tells me to live, and these two are not matching up. And A, that just kind of, that just kind of sucks. Like, I would rather have the life of freedom and abundance, and B, what an insult to Jesus. Because the scripture says he came to bring me abundant life. It is for freedom that Christ set me free. Right? What, what, an, what an insult to be like, thank you, Jesus, for freedom. I choose to put on worry. You know? Like there's this disconnect and we don't, get to, we, we don't get to tell God, hey God, I see what you say, but this is 2022, man. Like life is a mess. Like he doesn't know. Like he, no, we, don't, we don't get to do that. We don't get to tell God, thanks, but it's impossible. The scripture tells us this is this is the life that Jesus came to bring us, is a life of freedom, a life of peace, a life of joy, 
It doesn't mean there's not hardship or suffering or, or, or you know, death even. It means that there's peace and joy within those. Somehow, according to the Bible, this all blends. This is where I start to ask some questions. You with me? Like, okay, God, I, I, I know what the scripture says. I get it. I see it. I read it. I, I can I understand it, but I don't, I don't really know how to do this. Like, I, I struggle with how to actually walk this out. And yet it's, it's an invitation, it's a command from Jesus. It, it robs God of his glory in our lives when I live a life of worry and anxiety and fear. Stress is not reflective of Jesus. Worry is not reflective of Jesus. So we can... We can admit we got that, but we also need to admit, and it's not okay. Like, it is not honoring to God, and it's miserable for us. Okay, we, 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 we're all on the same page there. We good? Like, it, it's there. Let's be honest. But, but in honor of God, we got to work on getting rid of that. We got to work on walking in freedom, both for his glory, because that's what he came to bring us as freedom, and for our good. And for the good of people that got to live with us. Good gracious. So how do we do this? What, what, what do we have? Now there's, there's many things we can't, I mean, we could, we could spend hours on this. I mean, there's books on top of books on top of books of, of what causes stress and anxiety. Um, just a couple of them. Uh, life is hard, right? Like it just is, and we're human. So let's, let's give some grace. We're not God. Like we, we, we're not gonna handle everything perfect. Life is hard. We're a work in progress and that's okay. Family of origin, man, for many of us, like we were taught to worry and be stressed before we even knew to call it worry and stress, right? Our, our families are teaching, Stephanie and I are teaching our kids without having to say, hey, we're teaching you. They just, they, it's, it's that caught, not taught thing, Right? Anybody have some parents that are just like, like worry masters? I mean, they, they worry about worrying. It's like, oh, it's, you know, you ever, heard, you ever heard this? I'm a mom. It's my job to worry. Mm-hmm. Heard that one a time or two. I still hear that one a time or two, you know? And so we're just taught even like to, to worry, to be anxious, like, oh man, this is hard. I'm gonna be stressed about it. I'm gonna be wound tight. You know, I know, unfortunately, we're teaching our kids some of that. You know, I, I know that. And so for some of us, man, it's just, it's what we learn without even having to be told. It's just what we're seeing, we're picking up. And we got some, we got some undoing we've got to do. We got to rewire some things. Other things that cause stress and anxiety, uh, sin and hiding. And we were made to walk in the light. And so if we walk in the darkness and remain in the darkness, we're walking counter to the way we were designed to, to live. It's gonna create some stress, some weight, some worry. That's why James says that there's a freedom in confession, right? That when we open up the doors of our secret areas and shine the light, the truth into our world, that, that it starts to bring freedom. Like it's not just a suggestion in the scriptures. It's, it's for our freedom. But today, what we see in Luke 12, two areas that, that we're really gonna focus in on here that, that brings unnecessary, ungodly stress and worry. One is greed, and two is a lack of trust in God. 
One is greed, and two is a lack of trust in God. So we're going to read Luke 12, and we're going to uh, read verses 13 through 34, um, and, and, and then we'll just talk about these, these verses together. So Luke 12, starting in verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness or greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. That's a big verse. If you've got a pen or a pencil, you, you highlight what verse 15 is a big verse. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and I will build bigger, bigger and larger houses. I will build three and four and five car garages. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. That's retirement. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. And he said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat or what you to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's a lot. There's, there's several commands in there that I'm like, mm, can we erase that one? Well, let's be honest. Like, Jesus, can you not tell me to sell my possessions and give to the needy? Let's be real. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't particularly want to do that, if I'm being honest. We got to start asking ourselves, are we going to trust his word? Are we going to tr trust his word? If I were to summarize this, I mean, maybe that's a good practice. If you were to summarize this, just think in your head, what, what would you, how would you summarize this to someone? They're like, hey, run that back to me real quick. Recap, what, what, did, what did Jesus just say? Just think in your own head, how would you summarize it? Any thoughts? It's a, good, it's a good Bible study practice. You're sitting down, you're studying the scriptures, just summarize it to yourself. 
right? Okay, God, what are you saying here? Put it down in one or two sentences. It's a good, it's a good practice to understand the scriptures. My summary is, don't be anxious about your life or overly concerned with things of this world. Instead, trust God with your life and devote yourself to building his kingdom instead of your own. Don't be anxious about your life or overly concerned with things of this world. Instead, trust God with your life and devote yourself to building his kingdom instead of your own. Don't be anxious, trust God. Don't seek to build your own kingdom, seek to build the kingdom of God. That, that's how I summarize this. So if we jump in, the context that we get uh, is, it starts in verse 12. Is it 12 or 13? 12, 13, good night. I need a bigger font. I need a bigger font Bible. That is sad. Oh no. So Okay, so it starts in verse 13. You've got, what, what happens here is you've got one guy coming up and he is trying to take his brother to court. He's coming to Jesus as, as an authority figure trying to bring his brother to court to sue his brother so that he could get more of the family's inheritance. We know that it's a guy because the inheritance was never left to, to daughters. It was divided amongst the, the sons and the daughters would just live with their brothers, right, or, or, or be married. And, and so it's, it's one brother wanting to take his older brother to court so that he could have more of the family's property or, or cattle or, or money, right? It's, it is a straight on dysfunctional household, Jerry Springer. Um, I mean, just like, give me more. I want more. Like, I know that my, my mom and dad left me this. It's not enough. I want more. He got more. I want more of his. Give me, give me more, right? You've got a full-on dysfunctional, anxious. I mean, this is, this is a, a stressful situation, right? Just imagine that happening, right? Your, your parents are dead, and now your sibling is like, I'm taking you to court. I want more. Like, that's a stressful situation. That is packed full of of unrest. And Jesus is like, man, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Like, get out of here. I'm not, I'm not going to be your arbiter or your judge. But he takes the time to speak to the brothers and to everyone else around them. And he warns them, he cautions them of a very real and imminent danger. He says, take care and be on your guard. Watch out. Like, watch out. These are words that, man, you're like walking in a, in a, you know, on a trail and there's a snake. And you're like, watch out, watch out, there's a snake. You know, like, oh, I, you know, it is, it is be on guard because there is a real threat around you about to come at you. These are the words that Jesus says. Take care, all of you, be on your guard against what? All forms of covetousness. Greed. Like, Jesus is not talking about a hypothetical. He's saying, be on guard. Watch out because there's an enemy. There's a threat wanting to attack you. What is that threat? It's not another person. It's not a snake. It's not a, a, an earthquake. It is greed. Greed, a greedy heart. A heart that, that is not satisfied with what we have, that is always seeking for more, that always wants more. I need more of this. I want more of this. That's not enough. I gotta strive for more. I'm not happy here. I need more money. I need more clothes. I need more people. I need more relationships. I need a family. I need a new truck. I need, right? It's, it's just this insatiable desire for more. 
And Jesus is like, be on your guard. Guard against greed because you're continually grasping and never grabbing hold of. You're always looking for that greener pasture. You, you, you get to a pasture and then you look down and you go, ah, there's poop over here too. That pasture though, man, it looks good and you're striving for the next one. And you're never present. You're never enjoying. You're, you're constantly spinning that wheel trying to get there, never realizing that the wheel is not going anywhere. You're just spinning, 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 spinning. And it is a recipe for restlessness and anxiety and worry and unrest. And so Jesus is warning us, be on your guard. Like, be guarded. Watch out. Imagine that you're in a scenario where danger, like falling rocks, right? Like that type of thing. Things could happen, so you've got to keep your eyes out. And Jesus is saying, be on guard against covetousness, against greed. Because a heart that is greedy is never satisfied. Never at peace. Never at rest. And so we need to take this and go, okay, is, am, I, am I greedy in anywhere? Is there a part of me that's insatiable hunger for more? I've got to have more. I, I can't be happy with just this. If I don't get to there, if I don't get to there, if I don't have this, if I don't have this, and Jesus is warning us, saying, man, there's always something more. And you'll be restless. You'll be anxious. You'll be worried. Is there anywhere? I think for me, um, I mean, I've made no, I, I want a new truck. Like, I, I hate my car. Reality is, it starts, blows cold air, gets us from A to B. You know, the dead mice are gone. The smell has been covered up. That's a true story. True story, yeah. Yeah, a mouse was like, I'm gonna build a nest under your back row. Didn't know there was a mouse family in my car. Two of the babies didn't make it out. I'm like, why does my car smell like death? That's why. It's great. It's great. We got rid of that smell, though. It's great. It's perfect now. But I mean, but I mean I'm serious. I'm like, I'm looking at these other people, and I'm like, I mean, they know. There's this one truck parked in the parking lot down the street from us, and I'm like, that's my, that's my truck. Like, I, I'm, I think I might just go steal it. Like, but there's this part that's just not satisfied. My car's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You know? It's fine. It's fine. I'm talking myself into it right now. It's fine. It's fine. It's good. It's good. It's good. But I've got to, I've got to be honest with myself, right? Am, am I covetous? Am I greedy? Right? Am I, am I okay with where I am? You know, do I have to get to that next rung? It, it, you know, let's be, we get to think about retirement. Do I... Man, I got to put this money here because I got to retire by this age. I got to be at this point. Or I got to be at this point. And, and, and Jesus tells us about a guy that, man, he was working hard and he had plenty. And he was like, man, what am I going to do with all of my, my retirement? I know I'm going to build a bigger house and then, and then I'll settle in and I'll have all my retirement and then I'll, re I'll relax, I'll eat, I'll drink, I'll be merry. And Jesus is like, man, sorry, bud, but your time's up. And, and the point that Jesus is making here is not to, not to save or to, to work or to be, to be wise. His point is, is about satisfaction in the present versus a continual hunger for more. Because if we never know how to be satisfied in the present, we'll never get to that place. 
It's okay to save. But what if God tells you to take your retirement and to give it away? What if he's like, hey, this percentage that comes straight out of your check and goes into a Roth IRA, hey, that's great, but I want you to give it away. Would you do it? Or has our American culture told us, well, that's not wise? Right? Are, are, we, are we so set on the future, on living for that next day? Because we're not guaranteed it. And, and all, all Jesus is saying is like, hey, it's okay to save. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that to be wise. But, but has it become an idol? Has it become, we're, we're greedy, we're covetous. We have to continue to get there. What about living here? What about building up the eternal kingdom today? Let's be really candid. We are a rich and blessed society. We are in the top, I mean, what did I say, 2%? We are in the upper echelon. Even if we are struggling, we have more resources and the abundance of things than the vast majority of the world. I remember Francis Chan doing this illustration where he took these two dollars and he threw them on the ground and he was like, hey, whoever wants them, you know, can get them. And everybody was like, you could tell some people wanted it, but they didn't want to be the, the person that's like, I'm going after these two dollars, right? And he's like, and yet in the vast majority of the world, that is a day's wages, man. They are fighting for that. And we're like, you know, trying to grab it without being seen. We are, we're a rich and blessed society. But we've also been cursed with this insatiable hunger for more. I mean, I was sitting there, I was telling Stephanie, I was like, man, I need some new shirts. I got like 30 plus shirts. I don't need anything new. I just don't want to wear the same thing again. But let's be real candid about a need versus just a want and a preference. And again, it's fine. One day I'm going to get a new truck. I am. But what if I got a new truck and God was like, hey, I want you to get rid of that. Gosh, man, that would be that would be a gut check. And so that's just what Jesus is getting at is his heart of, man, are we holding on loosely to worldly things that aren't going to go with us anyways? A new truck is not going to be a new truck in what? Six months? Six months, maybe? I'll tell you what I'm not worried about. I'm not worried about a scratch in my pilot. Not at all. I'm going to rip the back out looking for those mice. I didn't even put it back in. I was like, I don't care. There's no worry or stress there. If I have a new truck, though, I'm parking in the back. Nobody better ding this thing. You know what I'm saying? And again, that's fine, but I got to check my heart. I just, I just got to know, is, has it now held on to me? Right? Am I holding on loosely to these worldly things that aren't going to go to eternity anyways? Because when I start holding tightly, that's when I'm going to be anxious and worried and stressed and driving like a maniac because I don't want anybody near my new truck or whatever. Jesus has wanted to set us free. He's wanted to set us free from earthly, temporary things that moth and rust will destroy or someone will break in and steal. And so we've got to ask ourselves, is there anywhere that my heart is greedy and covetous. I've got to have more of this. I've got to have more of this. I don't know how to say that's plenty. I'm good. It's a recipe for anxiety and stress and worry. So that's the context. And then Jesus, so he's talking to the crowd, 
And then Jesus, it says, he turns to his disciples. He turns to anyone who is following him. So if you are sitting here today and you have put your trust in Jesus, you have surrendered to him as your Lord and Savior, you are his disciple. This conversation shifts straight to us. Everybody can listen, but you've got a different expectation for a disciple. Everyone's invited to listen and to hear, but if you're a disciple, the expectation is not like, hey, it's a good idea. It's a, no, no, you better do this. This is for you to follow. And he says, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or drink or wear, don't be anxious. Don't be worried about your life. Does this mean you don't have a job and buy groceries? No, you go buy groceries, but are you anxious about it? Are you worried about it? Does this mean you can't go buy a new shirt? No, buy a new shirt. But are you anxious about it? Are you worried about it, right? Is it, is it something that causes you stress? He says, do not be anxious about your life. It's a command from Jesus for any of us that follow him. Don't be anxious about your life. Why? Well, this isn't in the text, but because God says so. Like, he just gets to tell us because he's God and we're not. So ultimately, because Jesus said, don't be anxious about your life. That's, that should be enough. But on top of that, he gives us some reasons. He, he repeats, right? Life is more than food or, 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 or clothes, right? This is not where life is. We talk about it all the time. Every one of us is trying to make the most out of life, right? You want tomorrow to be better than today. And you would like Tuesday to be better than Monday. And if you could repeat that pattern for the rest of your life, you will willingly sign up. Am I right? Every single one of us, we want life to be better. The question is, what do we think is going to give us that? That's how we live life. What's going to give us the fullest of life? And he's like, it's not in the abundance of possessions. It's not in your food or your drinks or your house or your clothes or your, your things. And it's one of the primary things that we think will fill us. If I can get to this degree, if I can get this job, if I can get this income level, if I can get these things, and, and we put our heart's affections in them, and what happens time and time and time and time and time and again, they drop, and our heart goes with it. And Jesus is like, I'm trying to free you from connecting your heart to things that are gonna fall. Don't be anxious about your life. Don't be worried or fearful about your life because life is not about these things. Life is eternal. Stephen talked about that. It's an investment in an eternal kingdom that never fades away. It never ends. So life isn't about these things. Verse 25, Jesus gets very practical and he's like, well, what good does it do you anyways? How many of you have added a an hour to your life because you were anxious? How many of you are like, man, my pantry is full because I really worried well this week? Like, it, it really paid off. My anxiety has netted me this, like, trophy wife, and I'm just crushing it now. Right? Like, no. Like, it, it, geez, like, it doesn't add anything. It doesn't do anything. Like, our anxiety and worry does not even produce the results that we're anxious or worried about. So, so why? Why be anxious or worried? It does not, it doesn't do that. It doesn't produce anything anyways. And in verse 29 and 30, he gives us another reason. He says, don't be anxious or worried about that because that's what everybody else is anxious and worried about and you are to be different. You are a follower of the God of the universe and you are to be different than everybody else. 
And if everybody else is anxious and worried about these things, and so are you, what does it say about God? What does it say about his faithfulness? If we're anxious about all that, just like everybody else. But a life of freedom and joy and peace, yes, I would like that. It's also a testimony to the goodness and faithfulness of our God. When everybody's like, why are you not freaking out? My God's got me. What a, what a testimony to his faithfulness. We are to be different because of our connection to God. So how do we do this? Like, again, we all want this. Every one of us. How do we do this? Jesus says there at the, the end of verse 28, he gives us kind of the, the anchor. He says, oh, you of little faith. Right, the, uh, the reason we're anxious and we're worried and we're fearful is because we don't trust in someone or something that is bigger than our anxiety or our worry or our fear. If we trust in someone or something that is bigger than our anxiety and our worry, we, we won't be anxious. I'll give you an example, and I've, I've told you this before. I've told the story, but it's just such a perfect, perfect example, right? When Molly was young, maybe two-ish or something, um, we went to a birthday party uh, at a pool, and, and she, like, I don't know what she thought, but just this two, two-year-old, you know, toddler toddles over to the hot tub and just straight in. Like, it was one of those hot tubs that didn't have a ledge. It was kind of built into the ground, and so she just goes straight in. And, and so I run over there, and I can still, like, in my head see her just kind of floating like this under the water, looking up, and she's like, she doesn't know what to do with her body. She hasn't learned how to swim, and so she's under the water just kind of like, so I grab her and I pull her out as a hero. Um, you know, you're welcome, Molly. Um, and, and so, but, but we want our kids to be able to swim. Like, we want them to be strong in the water. And so we're like, all right, we got to get her back in the water. And so we, we encouraged her towards the pool, and she was like, nope, I ain't doing that. Uh, which makes sense, right? The, 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 little, the little hot tub, which is, you know, yay big, almost killed her. And you want to now put her in this pool that is, you know, 20 times bigger. And so, you, like, her mind is like, uh, no. That, that will harm me, right? You, you try, that makes perfect sense, right? So, but she can swim now. She's good. She's a confident swimmer. Um, and, and so how did we get there? How did we, how did we help her become free from that f- real, like a real fear and worry of something that could harm her? Well, Stephanie and I got in the pool in the shallow end where we could stand above the water and, and we had her jump to us right? We, we'd be like, all right, come on. She would get on the edge, and she would be nervous, but we would talk her into it, and she would jump to, to us, and we would catch her and, like, let her feet hit the water, right? And it's like, see, you're good, right? And we put her back up there, and she would jump again, and that confidence would, would start to build because mom and dad were going to catch me. They weren't going to let me sink into the bottom of the pool, right? And so then we step a little bit further back, and she jumps, and it, like, hits waist deep, right? And we catch her. You've all seen it, or you've all probably done that or something, right? And so, so Molly progressively got to the place where she was more and more and more comfortable in the water, but not because she was just jumping into the water, but she was jumping to someone that loved her and was able to carry the weight of her fear. She, she wasn't just jumping straight into the pool. She was jumping to someone that was bigger than her fear and able to carry the weight of that. And the way that we are going to become free from anxiety and fear is when we learn to trust in our God who is able and cares and acts in faithfulness in our life. When we increasingly, step by step by step, 
take that step and see that God is able to carry our fear and that God actually cares about us to do something and then that he gets his hands in there and catches us, our trust and our confidence and our freedom builds and builds and builds and builds and builds, just like Molly's did with swimming. And that's the invitation that Jesus gives us. He says, look at the birds and look at the lilies. God's able to take care of them. And, And if God cares for the birds and the flowers of the field, how much more value are you than the birds and the flowers. If God's able to, to sustain everything, of how much more value are you? He's going to care for your life. He's going to care for you. And the more we take that step and build that foundation of trust, then we find more and more and more and more and more freedom from anxiety and fear. And it's gonna take time. We've talked about this, Right? God could do it instantaneously. Right now, whatever you wrote on that paper, God could instantaneously free you from that. More often than not, though, he, he has us walk through trials of various kinds because in that, he develops our perseverance and our character and our faith and makes us more like Jesus. Right? And so he invites us to trust him. This is practically how we build our house on the rock. When we are anxious or worried, we repeat truth back to that. This is your homework. When that anxiety or fear comes up, whatever it is that you wrote down, you speak back in your mind and even out loud, what is true? What does God say about this? Does God say that he will be with you? Then you repeat that back in your head, creating literally new neural pathways of a foundation that is true on the rock and not a foundation that is built on a lie and insecurity and fear. It's very practical truth that we can apply this and reframe our minds and how we stand and walk in this world. This is not just some hypothetical scenario, but it is a real truth that God gives us. You're, you're worried about finances? How are we gonna pay for college? Or how are we gonna pay for what, whatever else it is? Man, I don't know. It's okay to not know. But God knows, and God prov- promises to take care of all my needs. And so if, if I'm not able to pay for this, I guess it wasn't a need. And we start retraining our minds and our hearts to stand on the truth, the firm foundation. You want to live a life of anxiety and worry? Then you build your thoughts and your minds on, on, on things that are like uncertain. But if you want to be, be free, we build our mind on what is true. We build our lives on what is true. And so we take those fearful things and we apply what is true to them. And over time, you're not going to go from nearly drowning in a hot tub to swimming in the deep end. It's it's rare, but over time when we take this and we take truth and we replace the lies with truth, we will progressively grow and grow and grow and grow and grow in freedom. There is an ever-increasing abundance of joy in the presence of God. For all of eternity, we will grow and grow and grow and grow in the joy that we have in God. But that starts today. Literally today. We don't have to be anxious because God is able to care for everything. We don't have to be anxious because God does care for you. We don't have to be anxious because God does act in our lives. That's my biggest struggle. I believe God's able. 
believe God cares for me, I struggle to believe that he's actually gonna do something. There's this gap between me and God and I struggle to believe that he's going to bridge that gap and step into my world, which is why I oftentimes try to do things on my own. God, I love you. Please help me with this. Amen. Let me get to work. Come on. I, you thought I was done? Oh, come on, man. How many of us pray that way? Right? Is that really trust? I got this, God. I'm, I'm going to toss it up to you. I'm going to throw some prayers up to the big guy, and then I'm going to go get at it. I mean, that's, land, that's standing on my own strength, right? That, that, that's trying to accomplish things in my own power, and I, I know how powerless I am. I really do. There's a lot that I can't control or handle. The only way I'm going to be free from anxiety is when I learn to trust in him. That's it. That's it. And then we actively seek his kingdom. We store up treasures in heaven. We stop living for this short, temporary world that's honestly, even in a short, temporary world, the things that we live after are shorter and temporary within that short, temporary world. You know? We stop living for those little things and we think, okay, is this investing in, in eternity? Is this honoring God? Is this building up his people? Or am I really just living for myself in my short, temporary little kingdom? There's a lot of freedom when we live for eternity and we actively seek his kingdom and not our own. So God loves you more than you could ever possibly imagine. Literally, we will never fully comprehend the love that God has for us. Romans 8. And this is, this is where I'll end, Stephen. I'll give you that. Romans 8 gives us the greatest confidence that we can have. Verse 31 says, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Okay, that makes sense. How do I know God is for us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If, if God already gave us Jesus, everything else is easy. If, if God already came and, and, and in Jesus picked up the weight of all of our sin and, and took that on the cross on himself and then rose from the dead so that death has no more sting and death has no more power and we can actually live. If God already gave us that in Jesus, everything else is easy. Why, why would he not give us everything else? It, it's like, it's like me, you know, like, oh, hey, Michaela, I'm, I'll pay for your college, but are you going to buy me a sandwich? Yes. You know, like, you know, like, what, really? Like, if, 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 if God will give us this, why, why do we not think he would give us this? And so we look to Jesus. We look to the person of Jesus who really lived on this earth and who really went to a cross and was put in a tomb and nobody knows where he is anymore because he rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. No, no one's found a dead body, which means Jesus is alive, which means God is alive, which means his word is alive, which means this is true for us. And if God already gave us that, he's gonna take care of a sandwich. He's gonna provide for our, our needs and he's going to take care of us with what is best and we trust in him. That's how we find freedom. That's how we find freedom. 
tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.